This is one of the Psalms Ati U Charles Spurgeon, Ekulumangalo. Uh, this is one of the most sweetest Psalms of, of peace. Psalm 84 is a Psalm of longing, longing for God's house, and it is by the sons of Korah, as the title indicates there. It is a Psalm of people who were present in the temple, uh, who served in God's house, and who are expressing here how intensely they are very souls yearned and even fainted for Unkulunkul. They were saying that their souls yearned for God's house, and not really because they were separated from it, but because it is where they, they, they were and where they wanted to be. It is why they were serving. Uh, there's a, a song, uh, and I, I, I like that song. It, it, it says in relation to the psalm, in one place, in one tabernacle with Jesus, there is no other place where I would rather be than in one place, in one tabernacle with him. I am here because I want to be. I am here because I choose to be. I am here because I love to be in your presence. I find peace here. I find joy here. All I need is here. So I will seek, I will search, I will chase till I find you where you are. And I, I quote this song because it, it captures really nicely the, the message of this psalm that we'll be looking at today. May we pray before we do that. Father, we thank you for the this morning, Father, to come and look at your word together. Father, we have we have read your word, Lord. We have uh, sang Father praises to your name, Father. We have exalted you in song, and now, Father, Father of our service, where Father, we want to hear you speak to us, Lord. And so, Lord, we say with the hymn writer, speak, O Lord, as we come to you, Father. Uh, prepare our hearts, Father, to hear your word. From hearing your voice. Lord, we want to hear you speak this morning. So do speak, Lord, and we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 8, if you look at the title there, it begins with a, an interesting invocation. To play a particular instrument that we find in only two other, other psalms. I think it's Psalms 8 and Psalms 81. It says to the choir master there, who was the conductor or the music director, according to the Gitith, we don't usually focus on things like that when we, we read the Psalms. We just jump to the actual. But it's interesting. There, it was a, a stringed musical instrument from the city of Gath. And it gets its name, Giti, or Gitite, uh, from the residence of the city of Gath. Interestingly, Ilapo Ukolayat, Ukolayat, it's where Goliath was from. He was from Gath, one of the royal cities of the Philistines, which was about 30 kilometers from Jerusalem, so like here to Centurion. Um, when you read some, 1 Samuel 27, you'll notice that there is also the city, um, this is also the city who David temporarily stayed in when he was fleeing the persecution of the mad king of Saul. But getting back to our text, this is an instruction about the instrument they would use when they were singing this song. And this particular instrument was from God. And I mention this because sometimes we, we forget when, when we are reading the Psalms, we are reading a song. This is a, a song they used to sing these people. And here, 
it's an instruction which you'd play this instrument as they were they were going playing the song. It says there a psalm of the sons of Korah. Who are the sons of Korah? During uh, Israel's journey through the through the wilderness, there were two groups. You remember who who combined to rebel against the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Right? They said, who made you a leader? Why can't, I, why can't we be leaders as well? And one of the group was a group of 250 uh, Levites under the leadership of Ukora, uh, who were envious. Uti, Aaron and his family were the only ones allowed to be priests. The other group was headed by uh, the two from the tribe of Uruben who were envious of Moses' position as the national leader of the Jews. And in a public demonstration of whom Unkulunkulu had chosen to be priests, you'd remember God put Ukora to the test. He challenged Ukora and his fellow uh, Levite rebels to burn incense something normally only Aaron and his, chose, and his sons were allowed to do. And we think some of us would remember the ending, how, what happened there, would he, the Levites were burnt by fire from Unkulunkulu, uh, and the, the others also died, swallowed up by the, by the earth. Very catastrophic death, a very sad death, a very sad ending. And that brought really Ikamelibi to the family Gakora, right? Because Kora was known as the one who rebelled against Umutunkulukula uh, Mketile to lead the nation. It was to be from a family Gakora, it was not a good thing at all, right? It's like if you think of maybe being from the Hitler family, right? That stain will stay with the family, right? Uti, in your family, what was Adolf. But what's interesting is you read the Bible, Uti, centuries later, the descendants of Korah, they restored some respectability, you can say, to the family name. In what First Chronicles 24, Ukona Umlando, a record of the assigning of the sons of Levi to various places of service in the Lord's house. Uh, and, 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 and part of this info really was held by a commentary that James Montgomery Boyce, if you want to read more on it. Aaron was of, of this tribe and his sons were divided into 24 groups to maintain sacrifices at the altar. First Chronicles 24, lawyer again. The Descendants of Aaron, his cousins, Asaph, Haman, or Judith, were, were divided into similar groups now to conduct music that was to be sung at God's house, accompanied by harps, lyres, and cymbals. And if you, if you look at chapter 26, the first chronicles, there's a record there, and very interesting record, you can, you can open to it there, there's a record of, of the assignments given to a third branch of Levi's tribe. That's Chronicles 26. That of the sons of Korah, when you read there, who were called Korahites. These men were chosen to be gatekeepers. They were chosen to be doorkeepers, to be onogata, or nomaabalindi betempe. They were, I think, if you're in North America, they would call them janitors, I think. People would just take care of the facility, but they were mostly at the door, right? And it was a, it was a very humble work, if you think about it, Ababe Wenza. They were mainly caretakers. Umseben's job was to look after the sanctuary by screening visitors, who is coming in, who is going out, to make sure that nothing illicit was coming into the, the temple, to make sure there was no idolatrous activity, for example, happening in the temple. That, that was their work, the, those sons of Korah. 
they had other responsibilities as well. If you look at uh, chapter 9, Waku uh, First Chronicles 24, it says, The gatekeepers were on the four sides, east, west, north, and south. And their kinsmen who were in their villages were obligated to come in every seven days, intend to be with these. The four chief gatekeepers who were Levites were entrusted to be over the chambers and the treasures of the house of God, and they lodged around the house of God. For on them lay the duty of watching, and they had the charge of opening it every morning. Some of them had the charge of the utensils of service, for they were required to count them when they were brought in and taken out. Others of them were appointed over the, the furniture and over all the holy utensils, also over the fine flour, the wine, the oil, the incense, and the spices. Those quotes. I was reading from First Chronicles uh, chapter 9, verse 24 to verse 29 there. And if you think about it, to check if people do not steal anything from the temple, for example, to check if everything is are all the chairs still sapelele was called the temple if there were chairs, right? Just to check those types of things. Security card. The security card, they are some of the people who are not really respected. In, even in our country. But it's interesting if you, if you see La Pineapple, if you, if you read about 26, took really uh, took noticing, approving notice of their work. He says they were, they were very capable men with the strength to do the work. But here's where I'm going with, with all this history. Among other things, at times, they would sing. At times they would write songs of praise to God. They would gather together as Bama security lapaya whenever they get the chance and, and just write songs to God. They didn't get they didn't have the privilege of going inside the temple because they were working on Alapaya Napan. But they would they would take their scrolls I guess and and, and, and write these and write hymns and songs of praise to Unkulungul. And in time, they wrote our beautiful 84th psalm. Umlando Uti. This was a pilgrimage song. Amakoloil Sabelela Lilitulo on their way to the temple in Jerusalem. The, 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 these old saints would sing the song to express their boiling desire to be. In, in the place of God's presence, where God is worshipped. They would sing this as they, they are going to the temple, probably for the, for the Feast of Tabernacles. As they are going, they are traveling there for a distance, they would, they would sing this, this beautiful, beautiful psalm that is before us today. And with this background, I want us to read Psalm 84 together, and you'll see how, how rich and how beautiful this psalm is. One author titled it, The Pool of Home. He said, longing is written all over this psalm. It reads, to the choir master, according to the Kitid, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praises. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Oh Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, 
O God of Jacob. <clears throat> Behold our shield. <clears throat> o God, look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And as you go into it, closely, what this song is really saying, uh, just look at verse, verse 1. He says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. How pleasant, how, how wonderful, how dear, how beloved. And here, Bazalani, we see just the sheer delight of, of God's people, reminiscing, indulging in an in enjoyable recollection of thoughts about God's temple. And here's another. There's, there's, it's very interesting, more bigger language here, uh, the Psalm 84. There's a, there's a, you can call it a linguistic contrast, a corner. Because this is very soft. When you look at this language, it's very soft. How lovely is your dwelling place? It's very reflective. But then he goes there to call him the Lord of hosts. That's a military title, Kankulunkul. It portrays Unkulunkul, it portrays Usmagate as the commander of the armies of heaven. He is the Lord of armies. And since the focus here is on the power of the, the Lord, you, you may also render this title as, as the Lord who is the strongest of all, the Lord who is all powerful, the Lord who has all the strength. Is the Lord of hosts, right? So I'm saying it's, it's interesting. On one hand, this very is very reflective. It's very soft. My phone language, but he calls Unkulunkulu here the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts. And I think you see here, Uti, um, this kingly God who is among His people. Even though he is a terrifying God, right? He's the commander of armies. He's a frightening God, right? But his people find him desirable, right? People actually love to be in his presence. You usually notice we don't love being in the presence of, of people who are just too big. We're uncomfortable, right? We're just uncomfortable. We are not our usual selves. It's like if, if a scholar and principal comes in the class, all the students, you're no longer yourself. Now you're sitting the way you don't normally sit. Right? But here you see, you see this difference here. There's this commander of armies, who is big, who is frightening. But people saying, we love being in your presence. How, how lovely is is your dwelling place. He's, to his enemies, he's frightening. To his enemies, we are sabega. But to his people, he is warm. To his people, he is fatherly. And it's interesting when, when you, 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 you are reading through the Old Testament, God's people would, would call on Jehovah Sabaoth. They would call on the Lord of, of armies in time of great need. When they, needed, when they needed protection, when they were in despair, they would cry out to him. But is also the Lord, the sovereign one. And I think it's something we also have to, to be reminded of when we are facing really times of hardship, right? When things seem overwhelming, right? When we are facing despair, might be financial, emotional, spiritual, or physical hardships, that we, we have a, a God in heaven who has not surrendered his seat on the throne, right? 
who saved us is also the Lord of armies. He's, he's in, in control of everything. Right? He's in control of this world. He's in control of all the armies of heaven. is the sovereign God of the universe. So they are reminding themselves of this as they are as they are approaching the temple, as they are singing. Look at verse 2 there. It says, my soul longs. Yes, it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Where, where, where God's people were lifting up their prayers to him. He says, my heart and my flesh, my, my soul and my body. The ESV says here, my, my heart and my flesh sing for joy. In, in Hebrew, it actually literally says, my inner man and my flesh cry out. They, they cry out, right? And it, interestingly, it doesn't say for joy there. It's can tell even translation this interpretation there because there's, when you read it it doesn't say for joy in other psalms where this word is used the context does carry the idea of joy but i don't think the word maybe carries that idea in this context here their hearts were yearning their hearts were were pining they were longing for the courts of the lord they were saying to themselves they cannot wait to be close to god they are dying to be in his presence. And the reason why these saints were, were pining, were longing for the courts of the Lord is because of the felt presence of God in the temple. Right? Even though we are aware, Bazalwan, all of us, that God is omnipresent. Right? He, he cannot be contained in a building. Ukulungulu cannot be contained in a, in a place but the temple was the one place where God made his presence known to seekers. It's not really the place that they were longing for or their hearts yearned for. It is the living God, right? The What made this place desirable? was the presence of God in it. God's presence and not the building is really the, their object of affection here and their desires. This is where they gathered with like-minded individuals to encounter Unkulunkul. Look at verse 3 there. It says, Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. Oh, Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Talk about being jealous here. I guess you'd call this a, a, a righteous jealousy. Right? If, if there was ever such a thing as a righteous jealousy. They, they looked at the, at, the, at the birds and they envied. They envied the fact that these birds were permitted to make their home in the temple. In the temple courts. They lived their lives in the presence of God, these birds. They were jealous of the birds that lived there because the birds were, were close to God in a special dwelling place. These birds were, made their home in the temple. These birds were secure and, 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 and free in the temples. They were free from their own enemies. Right? This is where they made their home. This is where they found security in the temple. And they look at that, they envy that. And have our home in this place where God is. Verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. If you look at this, at this verse from the perspective of pilgrims, who are journeying to the temple, who are going to the temple and they are singing on the way there. You might say that they were not only jealous of the birds, but they were jealous of the priests. They were jealous of the Levites who lived and worked 
in God's house. who are working in the temple. But if you look at it from the perspective of the sons of Korah, who are the ones who are writing this hymn, they saw themselves as amongst the happiest of all men because they had the privilege of working in the temple. They understood that there was something uniquely special about being in a place that was set aside for God's worship. Not that you could not worship Unkulunkul in your private uh, place, not what you, you could not worship Unkulunkul at home, but there's a, there's a uniqueness to a place believers have designated for God's worship that you cannot replicate in your own home. Right? Blessed are those who dwell in your house. You know, I think sometimes we take this word blessed and we, we spiritualize the word and we forget what it meant to them. Right? And to them, blessedness meant happiness. Right? Because happiness, they were saying, those people are happy. Those people have, have joy in them. Right? Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are characterized by, by happiness. You look at those people, they are happy to be there. They're not forced to be there. It's not, it's not a burden for them to be there. They are happy to be there. They are happy, those who dwell in God's presence. Look at verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the ways of Zion. It's, it's very interesting here. I was reading the ESV Bible study notes here, and they say, the author says here, this section describes those who make the journey to Zion to worship at, a, at such a sanctuary. They are blessed. Their strength is in God to sustain them on the way. The highways are in their hearts, which probably means that they actually want to go to. Right? Pilgrimages were obligatory when you read Deuteronomy 16, 16. They had to make those. Right? The, the, the Jews were commanded to, to make pilgrimages to Jerusalem, to Ugyokonzu, But you see here, Guti, those should never be, become mechanical or burdensome. Right? And to these people, it was not. They're saying, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways of Zion. It's not a burden for him. But I, I, I push him to go to where God is being worshipped. It's not a, a burden. It's to go to where God is being worshipped. corner was in their heart. Are we still together there? The way to the temple was in their heart. They actually wanted to be there. Look at verse 6. It says, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. It's uncertain here whether or not this valley of Baca is a, is a literal place or a symbolic place. Right? Uh, the, the word Baca itself refers to weeping. It literally means to, to weep, weeping, right? So, uh, some take it, Uti, uh, this is symbolic. It signifies a season of hardship. It signifies a moment of hardship, of trials, of, of difficulty in life. Abanye, they take it literally and even call it the Valley of Tears. They say there was a place called the Valley of Tears, uh, which was very troublesome for travelers. Because the, play, the place was very dry, right? The place was very dry. And you can imagine the, 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 the weather, the, the hot weather there as they're going through this dry uh, valley, right? So I, I, we don't know. I don't know myself which, which one is it. Was it a literal place? Because we don't know of a place right now called the Valley of Baca. Maybe there was a place which was called the Valley of Baca, but it has been lost in, in history. Okamayo here though, these committed pilgrims made it a place of, of springs, right? The, the ESV commentator says 
it, it probably means that they delighted in this valley as much as if it was a well-watered valley, being so happy on the way. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The way they were so thinking about going to the courts of the Lord, the way they were just anticipating being, yearning to, to being in a place where God is worshipped, you would look at them and say, these people are crazy. How can you just go through this, this valley like this, as if this, this is a dry place, there's drought here. But this place, these people are singing, they're, they're happy, they're, they're looking forward to where they are going, they are, their hearts are yearning. It says here, verse 7 and verse 8, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O oh Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O oh God of Jacob. Pilgrimages were not easy journeys to make, I'll remind you. People would travel long distances. They would travel some for days, right? For days. And these were, these were normal women and men that the sons of Korah are singing about here. These are people who, who lived off the land. Some of them were fishermen. Some of them were headsmen. Some of them babelusa caring for sheep and goats. Others were, were farmers dependent on, on agriculture to, to, to make ends meet. Right? These were normal people. Others, tent makers, clothes makers, uh, women who had children, abanyibab, caring, they have to care for, the, care for those children. Right? They had to, to cook at home as well. These, these were just normal people like us. They had a life like us as well. Life was life for them. The same way life is life for us. They did not have it easy as well. These were hard working women and men. And, and they would get tired too. They would get exhausted too. But if there's one thing they, they valued... It was their relationship with God, right? It was their closeness to God. They did not neglect anything that would bring them closer to God. They had resolved in their own hearts to, to make the pilgrimage with other saints to worship the Lord of hosts. They saw it as a sacrifice worth making. It's a sacrifice worth making. And as we read here, Unkulunkulu honored their resolve. Unkulunkulu honored their determination by giving them the strength necessary. And instead of getting weaker, they were getting stronger. You see that, verse 7, they go from strength to strength. You, you think that they'll get tired. It's a long journey. But Unkulunkulu was honoring their determination by giving them the strength, right? Giving them the strength necessary. And thinking about how, how to apply this maybe to our lives, it, it's, it's really sad that we have amongst us professing Christians who do not see the value of being in a place of worship. If they don't feel like it, they don't go to church on that Sunday, right? Church is something that they do on their free time. It's not something they intentionally free time to do. And it's a shame. And, and what's heartbreaking more is that what happens to them is that they get weaker and weaker until they look no different from unconverted women and men of the world. Right? It's the opposite of what's happening to these people. As they make this pilgrimage, as they determine, they resolve, honors their resolve with strength. It strengthens them. While we know from experience what happens to those who do not make the same resolution. Look at verse 9. 
Behold our shield, O God. Look at the face of your anointed. This was a, a prayer for the king of the nation uh, who was responsible to shield the people, who was responsible to protect the people. And it's, it's, it's interesting that this song they're singing about you know, going to this place, about going to the temple. It's a pilgrimage. But they do not forget the king of the nation. They say, look on the face of your anointed. Right? And I think this ought to be a reminder to us as well, Bazalwane, to, to not forget those who are, who are leaders in our nation. Yes, we may disagree with them on their policies. Yes, you may find fault with their character or integrity. But let's not forget to say, Oh God, look on the face of our leaders. Be gracious to them, Oh Lord. Give them a hunger and an appetite to know you. Look upon their families and be, be gracious to them. Give them wisdom, giving a, give them a saving knowledge of you. Let's not just complain about them, but let's also pray for them. They prayed for their king. I think this was under the, the, the reign of Jehoshaphat when they were, uh, this hymn was, was written. But they, they are praying for him as well. Amen, Bazalan. Let's, 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 let's pray for our leaders. Right? Pray for Ramaphosa. Right? Pray for the cabinet and whoever will come after him. Whoever, Owenai, next year election, let's pray for him. Right? This psalm, you see, it, it begins with a longing for God's house and it goes on to talk about the difficulties of the journeys, of the journey to it and a, a prayer for sustenance and protection as they make the pilgrimage. And it closes here by going back to the subject of the, of the temple and giving praise to God. Look at verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the trends of wickedness. They're saying it is the most desirable place on earth. This is a place where our souls are nourished through fellowship with God. It is a place where our hunger for God is met and satisfied. These people, had, they, they, they were freed from the love of the world. They were not double-minded here. Their hearts were not held back by the pleasures of this world. They were convinced there was nothing out there that was better than what they had found in God. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to... to, to to what I said in the beginning, the sons of Korah had what we would probably think to be the worst job in the temple. But they say they would rather deal with the chaos doorkeepers deal with than be elsewhere in the world. And I want you to hear Spurgeon's thoughts on this text. I want to Spurgeon to feel his love to rejoice in the person of the anointed Savior, to survey the promises and feel the power of the Holy Spirit in applying the precious truth to the soul, is a joy which wordlings cannot understand, but which true believers are ravished with. Even a glimpse at the love of God is better than ages spent in the pleasures of sense. It is better than being right now at Gold City. It is better than right now eating your favorite meal. It is better being in the house of God than eating your favorite meal, being in your favorite place. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Uto in here, the lowest station in connection with the how with the Lord's house is better than the highest position among the godless. Only to wait at his threshold, peep in, peep within, so as to see Jesus' place, 
To bear burdens and open doors for the Lord is more honor than to reign among the wicked. Every man has his choice, and this is ours. God's worst is better than the devil's best. God's doorstep is a heavier rest than the downy catches within the pavilions of royal sinners. Though we might lie there for a lifetime of luxury, we know by experience that where Jesus is within, the outside of the house is better than the noblest chambers where the Son of God is not to be found. So it's cold. And I pray Utunkulunkulu may, may help us to be these types of people who will prefer to, to be and fellowship with God's mercy and sinful people than elsewhere in the world. Right? Right? than to be elsewhere in the world. Look at verse 11. For the, for, the, for, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Wow. Nkulunkulu, they saw him. And interestingly, this is the only place where you'll see Nkulunkulu explicitly called a, a sun. And, and, and to them, they saw Nkulunkulu shining on them. To them, Nkulunkulu was the brightness of their days. Remember who this God is. This is the Lord of armies, right? And, and he's the brightness of their days. He is a shield from their foes, right? He is the source of, of favor and, and, and true honor to them. And they say no good thing will Nkulunkulu withhold from, from those who, who are blameless. Right? No good thing Nkulunkulu does he withhold from them. And I, I want us to, to see this as well. Right? Uh, this verse reminds me of Romans 8.28 when Paul says, And we know that all things work to all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Right? God, God wants to give us good things. God is good to us. God not, does not only promise good things, he, he assures us that He will be faithful to fulfill His promises. The problem with us is that sometimes we do not always know what is best for us. But God does. Right? Sometimes we may look at our lives. For example, look at this year. Look at 2023. And you look at the things that happened. Some people lost their jobs. Some people uh, had a cut on their salary. Some people uh, failed a course. Uh, there was a relationship that ended in a heartbreak. And, and, and you look at maybe all these things that happened. And you, 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 you look at 2023 and you say, ah, it was such a bad year, right? It was such a, 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 a bad year. As if Nkulunkulum Tambe withheld a good thing. I was expecting that this year was in a one, two, three, and it, it, it did not happen. But I want us to remind ourselves, and God does not withhold anything good from those that he loves. He does not. If it did not happen, it was not good. Amen. It was not good. Kulunguru will not withhold a good thing from those he loves. Verse 12. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed is the one who, who believes you. And I would remind you of the word blessed again. Happy. Happy is the one who trusts in you, who, who believes you. Happy is the one who takes you at your word. Happy is the one who believes will not withhold any good thing from me. is the Lord of hosts. He's sovereign. Blessed is the one who, who, who delights in you. Blessed is the one who takes you seriously, who trusts in you.
It's one thing, Bazalwanek Tina, to, to just to believe in God, that there is a God out there. So it's another thing to, to believe God, right? To actually believe God, that he means what he's saying in his word. He, when he says there's nothing good that he will withhold from those that he loves, it's, it's another thing to really believe that, right? It's one thing to believe that there's a God out there, believe in God. I'm not an atheist. I believe in God. But do you believe God? Do you, when you read his word, do you believe what he says in his word? I pray that we may be amongst those who will know the joy of trusting in him, of believing him, of taking him in his word. And as we end 2023, we go into 2024, and we may be these types of believers we are reading about here, who, who resolved to value those things that promised to bring them closer to God. Maybe with those believers, you know, in the, in the new covenant, the house of God is not a building, right? Uh, but it's, 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 it's the congregation of people who are united in Christ by the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a great blessing in, in going up to worship in the house of God. God's word calls us to a holy gathering. You see that. We are told to not forsake the gathering of the saints. Right? You see here, these, these believers saw the beauty and were satisfied with God. They, they valued being in a place where God was worshipped. And Natina love for, for, for God's church and its worship of God is really a sign of God's saving blessing upon a person. And I want us to ask, I want, our, I want all of us to ask ourselves this question, right? Reflecting on this message, how much do we value those things that promise to bring us closer to God? Right? How much do we value, for, for example, the, the meetings of the church, right? That may be a cell group, that may be a Sunday service, that may be uh, maybe a, a, a WhatsApp devotional, maybe a corner. How much do we value those things that promise to, to bring us closer to God? How frequently do we carve out time to attend them, to, to spend time in Right? God is residing in people, in his people, right? Not in a temple somewhere, he's residing in his people, right? How much do we value to be with those people whom God is residing in? Do we, do we carve out time to say, I want to meet Mzalanotis, I want to, to just go out to and get to know him more and, and edify him and be edified by that person? Do we delight in, in being with God's people who are God's spiritual house? What do we seek when we gather as a church? Is it to meet Unkulunkulu and be satisfied in him? Reading, reading this whole psalm reminds me of a quote by Augustine, who famously wrote, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Right? In Batanira, this sweet rest is found, by, is found only by coming to the Lord and, and, and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, if, if there's anyone who is does not believe here, who has not tasted what these believers knew of God, who has not tasted and, 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 and saw that the Lord is good, come to Christ. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You, you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to the Lord. And I pray, Bazalana, 
going into 2024, we may seek to be these types of believers who will always value those things that promise to bring us closer to God. Amen. May we pray. Father, we thank you for the time that you've given us, Lord, to, to look into your word. Father, we thank you that through your word you still speak to us. And Lord, I pray that Izulanko, Esilzwile through Psalm 84, this morning, might not fall on deaf ears, Father. I pray, Lord, that our hearts may be fertile soil. Lord, and, and be fruitful. When the and so we pray, Lord, that your word that we have read in Psalm 84 might produce fruit in us. And going into 2024, this sends the better Christians, the Christians that you want us to be in Lord, we, we thank you for being a father to us, for loving us in Lord, I pray that we may be like these Christians, Lord, to have an appetite for you, to find delight in you, to find delight in the places where you are. Oh, Father, I, I pray that your presence might be our home. And that, Father, we might enjoy being in the presence of other Christians. Oh, Lord, this is our prayer this morning. We pray that, Lord, you might grant it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes, sir.